Hi, Peter Borker here, and welcome to today's edition of the Transition Guy. Now, joining me today is Jack Daly. Jack, thank you for Peter, coming. Absolutely. Now, for those of you that may have not heard of Jack in the UK and European countries, Jack is the author of a couple of really good books: Hypersales Growth. And now you've done a playbook, haven't you, as well? Yeah, well, you know, the hyper-sales growth was so well-received, and I made a big point about having a sales playbook, and people came to me and said, well, how do you build a sales playbook? So I actually uh, wrote a textbook. Uh, so hyper-sales growth tends to be a very narrative, easy read. Uh, the sales playbook, uh, well, let's put it this way, will never be on the audio, because I won't take responsibility for you falling asleep at the wheel. <laughs> But this is one of the biggest things, isn't it? When you when you talk about sales, it's probably the biggest challenge I'd find most companies have to nail consistently. And it's probably the biggest bitching point so many people have. And very much the playbook really gives you the narrative on how to really do that in your business. Yeah, well, here's the misconception. Mm. Um, People think that it's a natural-born sales guy, right? Or you know that it's uh, that 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 it, it's an art. Uh, I'm I'm in the other camp, I, and I've been selling since I was seven years old, which means I've been selling for over sixty years, and I'm pretty darn good at the game. It's a science, uh, you know. Let, let's just take a very easy example: uh, objections. There are always objections we encounter in selling, but. In, uh, when I'm in front of an audience, they think that there's an infinite number of objections. And I challenge them, and no audience in 23 years has been able to put up more than 15. So if there's a limited number of objections, why not sit down for a few days and figure out what the best answers to those objections would be, as opposed to, now my largest sales force at one time was 2,600. Wow. Do I want 2,600 different answers to I'm happy doing business with a competitor of yours? Or could we figure out the best answer to give and then practice that answer so that the confidence level of our salespeople is up and we're doing the best answer that we can give? And I'll make it even worse, Peter, is um, the same salesperson in the field, uh, after he's heard the same objection four times, is now making up a different answer each time because he's in search or she's in search of the missing piece. Um, so I, I'm all about systems and processes of selling. I'm all about consistency, and I'm all about modeling best practices. Um, and and that and that and therefore the playbook, right? Which to me is probably the missing link for so many people. Because why do you think it is that? And I can't understand it myself because we come across so many salespeople that just won't do the things that they need to do. They won't sit down, they won't practice. They'll get to the two or three objections, be totally heartbroken, non-resilient, and won't carry on. Uh, so I have two children that are adults now. Yep. And this is gonna be a little bit of a messy answer, but hopefully it's impactful. Um, they're 40 and 47 years old but they were babies once. And um, in their early stage, um, they went to the bathroom in their diaper. And you changed it because that's the way it was. But eventually, we taught our children how to use the toilet. Mm -hmm. We're not 
teaching our salespeople um, to stop going in their diaper. And if you allow your salespeople to continue to get away with bad practices, um, they'll continue to do that. So what happens is because there's this confusion about sales being an art and because companies are weak in the recruiting area and feel uh, a weakness in that area that they don't want to disturb the psyche of the artist of selling, uh, all of this bad behavior of going in their diaper continues. And it just continues everywhere and a salesperson can go from one company to another and quote unquote get away with it. Yeah, and it's about 18 months they'll say, an 18 month window and then they move on to the next one. Exactly, and, it, and, and it's a rarity when they run into a company that has the process, right, as the system. Now, I, I have several expressions. One of mine is sports teams um, outperform most businesses. And that's because they have a system and a process and the coach mandates they follow the system and process. Uh, and so my companies historically and my clients that are growing at, at exceptional hyper growth rates, uh, we insist on here's the playbook and you're going to follow it and you're going to practice it. And we use that as a recruiting tool because if you object to it in the, in the recruiting stage, well, then we're not the right cultural fit for you. We're looking for people that want to win more than they lose. We were looking for people that want to make more money. Uh, than they would otherwise. But uh, if you want to be a winner, it requires system, process, and practice. And I like that systems, process, and practice. And what I tend to find, it's really interesting, whether it's the sales director, the sales manager, or even the entrepreneur at times, because normally the entrepreneur tends to be the best salesperson in business because they start off the business and they do the selling. As the startup, that's, that's correct. And it is one of the key things that holds people back from growing their company because of the reliance on that person in a role that they should have moved out of. But they always find themselves going back in and it's like they're compensating for the people that don't perform. Uh, absolutely. And again, all of that behavior will hold you back, right? So uh, the way I like to look at it is if I had a, a thousand salespeople I'm going to bet that I would be in the top 10, not top 10%, top 10 of the thousand. But there's only so many hours in the day. So therefore, there's only so many calls I can make, so many calls I can take, and so many orders I could write, right? But if I hired 10 salespeople and taught them what I know about selling, those 10 would outperform me, right? And if it was instead of 10, if it was 20 or 50, all right, so, so I, I want to be out of the selling game as quickly as possible as an entrepreneur because the thing that I'm good at is going to hold the growth of the company back. And do you think perhaps a lot of them subconsciously do it, the fact it's an ego thing because they're so great at doing the sales or have been so great at doing the sales, they subconsciously don't get the people to where they need to be so that they don't feel like... What's the word I'm looking for? They don't, they don't feel like they're not top dog, so to speak. Yeah, so so I think you're a spot on on that, but I think there's a there's another piece. And the other piece is there's an awful lot of entrepreneurs that, uh, particularly in what I call early stage, and I'm going to call five years early stage, yep. um, 
they don't actually know what their real job is supposed to be. Yeah. Right. So, so if I if I can move just a little bit in that direction, I tell my I, I do CEO coaching, and uh, and I do it all over the phone and I do it all over the world, and I want my CEO to do three things and three things only. One is vision, craft it and communicate it. Craft it and communicate it. You can't get there unless you know what there is, right? The second thing is key people in key spots. Absolute necessity. Uh, I have the good pleasure of being on stage several times with Richard Branson, and I admire what he's built under the Virgin brand. But Richard would tell you he would be awful at anything that has to do with systems, process, and execution. So he's relying on key people, but he's a great visionary, right? And then the third piece is culture, creating an environment where people want to go to work. And if you, if you as the CEO can take that as your new job and get out of the day-to-day and in the weeds and in the sales and hire people to go do those things, then your firm is going to, well, it's what, what I call hyper sales growth. Like, like I have clients that uh, have grown at, well, I'll give you the, large, the, the, the largest percentage growth, 24,830%, right. um, Inc. number two on the Inc. 500, right? After three years in business. Uh, and, and so, you know, not everybody's going to experience that growth and there's, there's a lot of other factors that come into play. But Paul and Steve, uh, the founders of that company, would tell you that those three pieces, vision, key people, and culture, that was the magic. So if people are really interested, they want to sort of experience you a bit more, get into your detail, get, get into your tools, etc., where do they go? Well, the website is jackdailysales.com. Uh, and that's D-A-L-Y, right? Um, and uh, if you were to search me, uh, I'm going to come up all over the place. I'm, uh, I'm based in Southern California. Uh, this year I'll travel 300,000 air miles and I'll be on all six continents because there's not a lot of action in Antarctica. And, uh, and then my, my personal uh, email uh, is jack at jackdaily.net. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming in today. Awesome. Pleasure. Now, if anything resonates with you, if you're looking at getting hypergrowth sales and you really want to scale up your business, head over to Borka.com and get in touch. And remember, failing to learn is learning to fail. <laughs>